Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from always, uh, my Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, my friend, and I thought it was me getting distracted. In the background on the television, I've got um, amazing peanut butter brownie recipe playing, and Ooh. it is the most unbelievably delicious-looking peanut butter brownie uh, creation. I'm watching it, and I'm mesmerized as this peanut butter is being swirled in with the brownie mix. And... The Great Bake Off? I assume no, that's what no. they call it there, right? And then the Great British Bake Off. No, no, I haven't. No, I'm not watching that. I'm watching something on YouTube, but I have been subjected mm. to, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's on Disney Plus. It's called like the Disney, the Disney Bake Off, and it's three, ah. three teams of slightly annoying children um, who have been given baking tasks because my, my daughter watches it. Um, well, she does now anyway. And whilst, and, and, and the cakes, they look fine. I just find it very entertaining to watch the judges trying to jump through hoops to not criticize any of the, for the um, problems, but I'm not here to criticize kids doing a better job of baking than me. The question is how, how am I? I'm very well, my friend. The question for you is how are you? Are you keeping Florida safe? Yeah, you know, doing all right. It's uh, it's rainy and chilly right now, so um, it's been quite the, uh, the kind of surprise day because usually it gets warmer as the day gets longer, and it's the opposite today. It was like it was cool this morning, but now it's like actually cold outside. Um, it's apparently going to be like that for the next couple of days, and uh, I've had a, a fun day today uh, with my students. Um, film two which is my three-year group, We they voted to do horror. I think I might have mentioned this last week. I'm not 100% sure if we did or not, but um, they want to do horror, but they also voted for, like, indie movies. So I, yeah. I decided to go for, like, indie horror, and one of my students had suggested also, like, chick flicks, which I'm like, well, chick flick is a genre. It's usually comedy. It's But um, I decided to take that sentiment, though, and look for, uh, you know, female-led or female-directed horror. So we started mm-hmm. today... Uh, and we watched, we don't usually do a movie in a single class period, but I, the movie that I picked was only 85 minutes. I'm like, all right, if we start right <laughs> away, we can watch the whole movie and also still have like 10 minutes to like decompress because I started them off with she dies tomorrow. Damn, um, John. And I wanted to, uh, you know, they've been with me for three years. We've kept it mostly traditional storytelling. So I, I thought this would be kind of not technically avant-garde, but definitely is not a traditional narrative. Not conventional. Um, that's not the the focus of the movie. Right. And, um, it was fun, uh, because it's a room of high school kids. No matter the movie, often there's at least one kid who checks out. who's just like, this isn't for me. And they're kind of like head down kind of thing. I have to, Hey, come on. That didn't happen. And there's, it moves pretty quickly, but it like, they were watching it and they were definitely like, I I heard a few kids mumbling like, what is happening? And I'm like, get that. Yeah. I'm like, that's the right, that's what you should feel. Uh, for sure. That's what this movie's doing. And, um, there was one student though, for sure, who often is, uh, he has, he, he's very open to movies, but at the same time, if one doesn't work for him, he is not afraid to like, let me know that it's not working for him. But when it ended, he had, um, kind of a you reaction to the movie where he was just like, I don't, I don't, I'm so, I don't, uh, and I'm like, that's what you're feeling is okay. That's the right reaction. And so I was glad we had like 10 minutes, I mean, I've done some reading and stuff since we saw the movie in 2020. I haven't watched it since then. Um, and it's so interesting. I don't really feel like it deserves the R rating. Um, it, ha- it has some cursing in it. But really, even the cursing is, is it's a lot of mumbled cursing. And it's not um, prominent. There's no nudity. 
There's no. the the only gore is very very tame and mild. Um, it's it's yeah. it's frightening, but it's not even like it's not jump scare frightening. So I don't I don't feel like it deserves the R rating. It's got that cloying atmosphere, which is just. It's an intense atmosphere. The 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 R, the R rating is just for the atmosphere, I think, because it's strangling. I've known John for John. John has been part of my life in an integral part for damn probably about five years. Five, is coming up yeah. to now, and she dies tonight. Is the first time, first I film I watched uh, that I then rang John afterwards and said, "Right, I, I need someone to help me get through." What you know? Because John recommended it to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I watched it and I needed somebody to help me get through what I just watched because it was this very, very strange, raw experience. Very good film, must I must say. But it was it was a compelling watch and it it got to me for a little while. And there's only two films that made me ring John and one of them was She Dies Tonight. Tomorrow. Uh, and Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I uh, did with them, because again, I've read some articles, but I wrote the word anxiety on the board yeah. after the movie was over. And I'm just like, think of this word and then all of the things that the movie did. And like, the, like a lot of eyes kind of open, like, oh, like really re- re- recontextualizing so much of the film is, of this idea of like what it feels like to have anxiety. And um, if you haven't seen it, uh, recommend it. Again, it is, it is uh, it's interesting because it has like an 80 meta score, but it has a very low like letterbox score and IMDb user score because again, it's not for everyone. Um, and that was yeah. what I was testing them with. I wanted them to try something uh, outside of the norm. And um, I think they responded really well. Uh, the next up on the list, I think our plan is Babadook, nice. uh, which will be next week at some point. Um, they're still working on a monologue project uh, where they, they're writing monologues from uh, characters that they've been kind of developing over the last couple of months. Um, cool. that our our long-term plan is to end up in doing like a horror movie with these characters that they've been crafting. Um so it's it's been it's a fun group with these kids and the the amount of effort they put into stuff. And, um, I, I, like, I was I gave the, I actually told the same story about the phone call from you as kind of like a frame of reference of like this movie's not it's gonna like <laughs> yeah. leave you lingering. Um, Those Brits can't handle it. <laughs> and then I you know but I was also like I was like we don't do like horror is not a, a genre we walk into a lot because it is it. it some people really can't take horror, right? Like it can mess you up for days or weeks. So I gave them a lot of opt out options and like they had other movies they could go into the computer lab and watch instead of like sitting in the classroom part and watching this movie. And like everyone opted in, they, they were all for it. Um, I don't know if they regret that or not. No one seemed like completely traumatized or anything. Cause again, it's not that type of movie. It's just this, like you said, it's very raw and visceral, um, but it's not like a brutal Yes, it's not super brutal. Again, like there is some blood, but it's very, very minimal, and it's not even oh, like yeah. it's like the aftermath of blood. Like you don't see the uh, the confrontation. So it's it's a really. In fact, Letterbox doesn't even list it as a horror film. IMDb. Well, I was going to say it's not even it's not horror in the traditional sense that you'd expect. It's it, it's it's not even psychological horror. I think it transcends yeah. even that. But um, it's like dread. It's just like it, the embodiment of dread. And it is paranoia. Dread, paranoia, anxiety. It, I agree. I echo what you said. It's definitely. I would definitely recommend people watch it. But I would also put a big old asterisk next to it, saying. It, it's not an enjoyable film, so it, you know it's not one that you you'll watch. I don't think and be like and think I'm really enjoying this. It is more I, of the experience or the ride it takes you on is it, it I is what I remember the most. The process, though, like when watching it as like a film, 
like oh, thinking yeah, of, of like how it was made and its a production. I really it's wonderful. Yeah. But as as a narrative, I mean, it's not again, it's not a conventional film, let alone a horror film. Uh, Amy Simons is the director and writer, um, and she does a really good job of injecting little moments of levity. Like mm-hmm. the conversation, Necessary. there's a conversation about dolphins having sex, um, which, <laughs> which works use in the, the film. Sex. Uh, it, it it does, but it's also like is it's a moment. It's at a party. It would make sense for people to have like random goofy. Like she's, it's clearly like a look how silly I am kind of conversation. Um, but you know, it, it does like it leads into the the darker tones and stuff. And there's there's a lot in there. I really think it's an it's an excellent film. There's some cool uses of lighting. I mean, I can see like the the my students that are a little more technically minded were really getting into those elements of it. So it was really cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a three-minute tangent of uh, my friend you need never apologize yeah visually it's stunning but just on your on the horror movie characters i mean at any point if you do craft a narrative with these characters please can i just be like a a background character who dies i've always wanted to be killed in a horror film not in real life we can zoom skype you in or whatever uh skype no one uses skype we can zoom you in um for sure Skype. Skype. we should actually do that um because you should be off of work by the time they're in there, I think we need to set that up, man. You need to talk to my film class about something. We'll pick a movie for you to come and talk about. We're talking horror. We can't watch The Exorcist, but maybe we can say. talk about why you love it. Um, we can talk about the deeper spiritual meaning of, of the film and why it's the greatest film of all time on a technical I mean, as, level. As many times as I've been on your Star Wars podcast, you can definitely talk to my class. Um, that's yes, I'll make sure my hair looks good that day. We're not here to talk about any of what we just talked about. We're actually here to talk about the most important film to come out so far in 2022, and it's called Moonfall, everybody. If you don't know what this is, because none of my students seem to know what this movie is, uh, Moonfall is in theaters right now, both in the UK, here, I'm pretty sure all over the world, except maybe China, because I think China has like a no alien policy or something Gay aliens, ghosts, Um, stuff like that, yeah. A lot lot of stuff gets censored there, but uh, this is the newest Roland Emmerich film, and I'm coming in hot with this one because Big Tuna saw this last week and loved it. I think he gave it a four and a half out of five. And Almost this was then. before I no saw way. it. Uh, and before I'd seen it, and he was uh, swearing up and down to a group of uh, Central Florida critics. Um, we we had a meal before a critic screening for uh, Death on the Nile, mm-hmm. and uh, he was no Moonfall is great. That was Sean. Sean. Big Tuna, uh, Disappointments Media, boom, Roland Emmerich movie written by him, Harold Closure, and Spencer Cohen. Stars some big names here. Halle Berry, yeah. Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, who isn't a big name by name, but we all know him as, uh, is it Sam? Sam? Yeah, uh, Sam. Sam from Game of Thrones. Um, liked him on Game of Thrones. Uh, he's here with his British accent. That was a debate we had last week. Couldn't remember. Yes. If, uh, we'll mention show. that later, yes. We also get, though, Charlie Plummer. Michael Pena and Carolina uh, Bartzak. Nice one. If you haven't heard of this movie, here's the synopsis for you. A mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. However, that's not even close to what the movie actually is going to do. And the trailers have shown different things. Some Mm -hmm. of the the stuff that you know now from seeing the movie uh, is in the trailer. But either way, this is a spoiler-free review. We will have a spoiler review dropping on Monday. Um, it currently sits with a 39 Rotten Tomatoes, 40 Metascore, 5.3 IMV user. So even though the critics aren't loving it, neither are the users. A 2.2 on Letterbox. It's, again, only in theaters right now. I don't fully agree with Big Tuna. 
but I had okay. way more fun with this movie than I was expecting. Um, okay. I, I thought I would be completely, ch- I thought this was going to feel like resident evil felt where I was just miserable sitting <laughs> through this, <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah. you know, waiting for it to end. And instead I was like, okay, I'm enjoying like 80% of this. Um, mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson is on point in my opinion. I loved him in this movie. I don't, I'm not always a Patrick Wilson fan. I often think he he's kind of a wet blanket. Thought he was great here. I found his, uh, he had a little bit of wit, a little bit of humor came into play. John Bradley nails this role of this kind of like edgy conspiracy theorist kind of guy. Thought he was really good in this position. Um, I didn't realize that he's also in marry me coming out this month. So this is a big John Bradley month. Um, But vibing with him. I like Charlie Plummer. I kind of think his whole part of the movie could have been cut out and the movie would have been tighter and better. Um, and that unfortunately also throws Michael Pena into the bus because that's like their whole thing is on earth. It's not to say there's not some cool scenes with them. I just, there's a lot that I think could be ripped out and it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt the movie at all because there's a big story here that involves the moon. That's big enough. Like there's so many people they're like, Oh, everyone should go to Colorado. I'm like, Hey, everybody, the world is going to blow up. The moon. What is are you falling. talking about? <laughs> yeah, why are we why are we concerned with people evacuating to a, a mountain that's gonna blow up? Like, what are you even talking about? You might survive the floods, but that's it. The moon is crashing onto Earth. <laughs> what are we doing? Why like why is this a thing? That's so this movie is fixated on multiple times. People are like, all right, you should evacuate. I'm like, if they fail, everybody's it doesn't matter dead. where you go. Yeah, and so like that part of the movie annoys me in any film because it's like you can't tell me the world is going to end and then also make it important that we have characters evacuating like that. We don't need those scenes because it doesn't matter that they're evacuating. If the people in the spaceship don't do the job movie over, like this is it, you know, so like you got one, you've, you've put yourself in a corner. You stick with those people. Now, if you want to give us some like earth reactions, like people panicking. Okay. But like, there's some things that are just real dumb with the earth stuff, but I, I expected to think this was complete trash, and I ended up having a lot of fun. If you like some of Emmerich's other movies, like Independence Day is one, right? I'm not I'm not making that up, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Roland Emmerich is a he's one of his films yeah, with alongside so, Dean Devlin. I was at the right age when that movie came out. Like I loved Independence Day when it came out. It blew my mind. There was part, parts of that movie when they cut to like the newscasters in Independence Day, like reading reports. I remember sitting in the theater dreading, like feeling like I was watching the real news. Like I was so into Independence yeah. Day. I was so like just sucked in. Um, I am not a fan of 2012. I'm not a fan of the day after tomorrow. I didn't see the Independence Day resurgence, uh, the sequel. Um, Godzilla 1998 at the time loved that movie. I was definitely hypnotized by the P Diddy track because that song was awesome. Um, the movie's terrible. I've rewatched it recently. I cannot believe I liked that movie as a kid. Um, I, I haven't seen Midway. I never it's saw Anonymous. Good. I can't believe he directed Anonymous. Actually, that seems like way out of his realm. I didn't bother with White House Down. Um, you know, I've missed several of his films, but um, I I did like Independence Day. And I, I think this might be my number two Emmerich film, looking at this list. I haven't seen Stargate in a long time. Maybe Stargate holds up. I don't feel like it does. Uh, but maybe it does. Uh, I, oh, he directed The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Huh? Universal I never actually Soldier. Sat that. I saw that as a kid because I was a big Van Damme fan <laughs> as a kid. But yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm all right. Um, I'm probably not going to sit through that again. But, you know, like Independence Day, solid movie. Godzilla is yeah. worth watching for like s- silliness. But man, 
I, I, I don't know. I feel like he balanced pretty well with Moonfall. There's some, there's a lot of his other movies, I think, in Moonfall. Like, you see, like, plot points and things like that, even, especially Independence Day. There's obviously some parallels with that. You know, there's space travel and things of that nature. There is a little bit of, like, uh, gravity in the beginning of this movie where it's like, yeah. did, did you see gravity? I'm like, but what if it wasn't a meteor? You know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I, again, this is one of, this might be one of those things where I went in with such low expectations, even maybe a desire to like tune us off his rocker. There's no way this movie's good. And then <laughs> I walked out. I, I don't even think I've told Sean that I, I like this. Like, I don't think I've even given him that satisfaction, but, um, I, I did, man. I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, not like recommending people rush out to see this. Like if you only go to the movie theater to see like one movie a month, this is not the movie. Uh. But if you're like us and you go to a lot of movies, I have seen way worse things. Uh, and at least even if this is like arguably bad in a lot of ways, I had fun. And that's that's great. Because if you can like I'm OK with a movie being stupid if I'm enjoying watching it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's when it's both boring and and stupid that I have a really big issue with it. But if you, if you give me an adventure ride that I enjoy taking, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for me to complain about it. What did you think? But I haven't, I haven't been able to kind of parse. I feel like you didn't like it. Uh, well, I, I, I just didn't think that big tuna would like this film. I mean, I can understand the whole, it's bad. It's so bad. It's good kind of line, but I didn't, I didn't think of all people that the distinguished big tuna would be such a fan, but Hey, you know, that's, that's good. I'm glad to see it. Tuna watches about 6,000 films a month. So the fact that you can still <laughs> sit and watch something like Moonfall and enjoy it, you know, is hope for all of us. But, um, I said last week that I thought this film was going to be, it was the classic so bad. It's going to be a great fun. Um, I've, I've kind of vibe with you on the, on about 80% of the film. I probably a little bit less. I think about 60% of this film I was having fun with, but I, I but I would just like to say, I do think this film is by most int- all intents and purposes awful, but it's awfully fun at the same time. Obviously the, it's a Roland Emmerich film. So if you're used to his kind of style or uh, the kind of direction his films take, you'll know what to expect here. It, it's big. There's lots of things go crash, bang, wallop and, uh, visually it can be quite a lot to take in at times, but I mean, he's, I mentioned Dean Devlin earlier on who he wrote a lot of these, uh, films with and, uh, co-produced alongside Dean Devlin wrote, directed and produced a film called Geostorm a few years ago, which is a sci-fi disaster film. Ah. That was j- just an abomination to film. Whereas Moonfall isn't. You said, like you said, there are much worse films out there in this genre than Moonfall. And there's worse films out there just in general than Moonfall. Uh, and Geostorm is one of them, which was which had an Emirate kind of vibe to it. Um, so ab- about this film, yeah, I, I, I can't say I liked this film, but I was entertained th- for the most part. There was one bit, though, we'll mention it in the spoilers, but I literally sat there in the cinema and just went, what? What? How did we get? How did we get to this? There's a bit further on in the film. I was like, "What? How did we go from one thing and now we're at this like colossal leap?" But it, you know, by then you're either in or you're not. I think it's you'll know quite early on if this is your film. I thought the intro to this film was actually pretty good. I find space scary. You mentioned gravity, but I find the the idea of the infinite uh, mass of space terrifying. If I'm up in space. And, you know, you could easily just get cut adrift and that's it. You're gone. 
That scares the hell out of me. Uh, and so does Patrick Wilson singing. And I had two of those things at the same time mm. in the intro to this. So that was worrying. But um, yeah, it's there are, I think the, the kind of conspiracy theory angle I thought was, was decent. Yes. It's very fast fetched at times, but it's, you know, it's decent. Yeah. Everybody tries their hardest. And I know that sounds patronizing, but you've got Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry in here, an Oscar winner and Halle Berry, you know, she's game. Uh, John Bradley, I was worried about him and his native British accent, uh, but I think actually it wasn't a problem in this film because I thought he was going to be like a gun-toting um, action hero, and I thought this, is, this isn't going to work. But I yeah, think he no. was actually surprisingly very good in this film um, compared to what I'd thought. Patrick Wilson, though, I'm not as sure about Patrick Wilson. There were certain times where I thought he's phoning this in quite a lot, um, and uh, I, I don't blame him because I imagine he got paid... F- quite a bit for this i don't think he's bad but there are moments where i think well i think maybe you could have emoted a little bit more put yourself in that scene a little bit more patrick but um yeah i i I can't really say too much about this film on a story level because you know the like johnson in the synopsis the moon is falling you know what happens if the uh, the moon is knocked out of orbit and it starts to fall to earth i mean that's in itself an absurdity especially the way it's presented in this film that you know all life doesn't just end no in fact it it goes in stages and um it does create some really cool set pieces some Uh, of the set pieces are cool and uh, listen when i see them like uh, again these aren't spoilers but you know things like flooding and there's like things just flying through from from the from the from space like uh, into the earth i think oh man that's now that c- could happen, and in some parts of the world, you get um, tsunamis and giant waves, which can cause devastation. So it's not out of the realms of possibility. So in that sense, it's kind of grounded in a sense of realism, uh, whereas the film itself obviously isn't. But the film isn't trying to, you know, tell it. This isn't the film knows what it is. It's having a good time with it. It's having fun. It's a disaster film. And it's not trying to be like Geostorm, which I think did try to be scientific in its approach. This isn't. Yeah, there's a lot of scientific mumbo jumbo. And I think they may be trying to justify or be scientific in their uh, reasoning of what's happening. But it just comes across as yeah jargon a lot of the time. I don't think they're taking themselves overly seriously here. I think... Uh, Roland Emmerich he's carved himself a niche in this genre when you go to see a film of his you know what you're going to get you get that in this film you're either in or you're not I know that's very um a sweeping statement but you you'll find very quickly whether this is going to be entertaining you might not like it like myself I didn't like this film but I was entertained there were some scenes in it I thought which were very very decent and others which were not so much but I wasn't ever bored and that's saying something. I was never once bored in this yeah, film. Yeah, agreed. Rolled it's, my eyes a few over. times. Yeah. I rolled it, my eyes too. Uh, it's over times. two it's, hours. It's a bit long. I will say that. It, it, I think it is for a disaster film like this. And you said before on the show as well that, you know, the, the average duration of films now seems to be creeping up. And I'm not entirely sure this film needs to be this long, JB. I don't think. And again, there's, uh, there's uh, several things I think could be cut out. However, <laughs> I never felt bored even though no. it was long i was like i was in the whole time because it does it, he doesn't let up and it, it's not to say it's like non-stop action it's not like mad max where it's just like everything's happening but like every scene does have things going on their stakes it, it's again it's not good stakes it's not necessarily believable <laughs> stakes some of it again is really cheesy there's a whole again the the charlie Plummer stuff 
it's not even him. It's just like the scenes that he's written into. It's like, well, that's stupid. And there's, there's one character, Halle Berry has a foreign exchange student, apparently living with her that mm-hmm. like, it feels like her story got cut out, but she's still in the movie at points. Like it feels like there's supposed to be way more with her. And there's well, just same with Michael Pena's character because Michael Pena get, he's in this film. He gets bits to do, but then there's, there's a certain line of dialogue I, I, towards the end, which kind of got me. He, I think, I don't think I don't know if him, some of his scenes were cut out, but I think, yeah, given the weight that they give his character, then I think maybe I was missing something yes. slightly there. I get, but, um, you, I get exactly what you're saying, but yeah, yeah he's uh, in it and he's good. You know, he has a very, <laughs> he has an emotional yeah. scene in there, which as um, as fathers it probably hit us slightly harder than than uh, others, oh, but man. it did hit me, Ooh. man. But but yeah, there is some, this there's some emotion here. You know, what I mean, like, surprisingly, there is. It's it's not. That's what I mean. Like it's not perfect by any means no this but it is a very serviceable disaster movie it could be a little shorter again there's some there's some fat that could have been trimmed but the overall performances i thought were really there i do think um i didn't find now that you're saying it i'm wondering if like the stuff that wilson's not doing is actually what worked for me because sometimes i find him to be a little over the top in movies so like (laughs) maybe his phoning it in was what i'm like ah look he's reserved i like this um that was just my interpretation other people might not believe that but it was a few times where i thought Hmm, I'm not quite believing you there, Patrick. But John Bradley, I thought was so sincere in this performance. Yes. And even though honest. I don't fully agree with some of the, like maybe the, the potential messaging about conspiracy theorists that you might be able to pick up on with this movie. Um, <laughs> I still enjoyed the, the, the character and the ride. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was fun. Um, did you notice it? it is? Did you notice that, uh, the hotel that he first like comes to, uh, Patrick Wilson comes to find John Bradley. The wallpaper. Did you notice the uh, the no. pattern on the wall? It is the shining carpet on the oh, wall. The Overlook Hotel. Did I miss that? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I'm like, that looks like. Yep, that's definitely the shining uh, like design. That's but a it's cool on the wall little twist of the, the carpet. Not twist. Addition. Um, sorry. No, I never noticed that. I was I was just too into the um the you know the deep meaning of the plot and the, all these these vital subplots going on about oxygen thieves and that to even notice the wallpaper oh, but, oh, no, i never noticed that yeah i'm gonna i don't know oh, i searched i searched incorrectly i'm trying to, i don't know if that's going to be like something i can find an image of yet but moonfall hotel um Motel, wallpaper, of course uh it of course just pulls up like but wallpaper Motel, for wallpaper. my computer <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um it's like oh you want this uh Oh, well, I'll see if I can send a picture to you later. Uh, in yeah, the meantime, I didn't notice it at all. That's our review of Moonfall. Again, mm-hmm. we'll have a spoiler review where we talk all the different uh, details and whatnot that drops on Monday. Normally, we would say spoilers are, are not for people who haven't seen the movie. Maybe this is one of those movies where you don't really want to watch, but you want to hear our take on all the different little details, because I will get into the specific things. One yes. of them that just alluded to um, that bugged me about this movie, even though there was stuff that, again... <laughs> I went into this with no expectations of enjoying it. And by the time it was over, I was like, dang it. That was kind of fun. Um, I really wanted to not, not, not hate, hate. So I don't like using the word hate because it's a very, it's a bad word, but I, 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 I expected and almost wanted to go in and just dislike it because sometimes it's a film can be so bad that you can have a blast watching it because it is just awful. This wasn't so bad. It was, it was awful. I enjoyed parts of it because 
like I said, it's a throwback to those disaster films which start well, didn't, didn't start but came into prominence more so in the mid nineties and then carried on. It felt a lot like those films, like um, you know, Armageddon, Deep Impact. It had those kind of vibes to it as well. So if you're into that kind of uh, part side of the genre, I also think you're going to enjoy this for the most part. There is some big sci-fi elements to it as well. So there's a little bit for everything yeah. for everyone, shall we say, but um, you, you, you do have to go in with that kind of summer blockbuster mentality uh, yep. and then you'll get more out of it. than if you really try to break this down, it is a weird time that this movie came out just days before the Oscar nominations. Uh, it was, you know, it was too late to be eligible. So, <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, <laughs> But they miss, we'll they've missed uh, their chance there, man. Maybe next year. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, we're here for... That's it for our review of Moonfall. Let's move into our next segment, which is Chopped Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. I kind of just alluded to Matt. So, Matt, what headline are we starting off with this week? Uh, Moonfall will be the 2023 Best Picture Ooh. at the Oscars. Uh, no, well, we are talking Oscars, and only hours ago, the 2022 nominations officially dropped. They were revealed by the Academy themselves in a very, very strange live stream, uh, which was which full of, of glitches, yep, full of errors. Oh, but, was it? Oh, yeah. It, it was fantastically um, chaotic to watch. Have they announced, are they doing um, the actual ceremony or are they going to just do it online again like they did last year are they i don't think they said because i thought they were going to i thought they were kind of alluding to it uh up top but when when they when one of them was just sort of talking about how he'd got all dressed up for the occasion but uh they haven't said so i i, I don't know i don't mind mm. i wouldn't mind if they did because you know it might be a bit shorter and they might cut cut some of the fat out as you say but um either way the nominations are here uh, we'll get into some of them. My top level thoughts on the nominations were mostly positive. There's a, there's one glaring error for me, a mission for me that the Bampies thankfully rectified. But uh, for the most part, I think the, it's an equal part expected. A lot of the films that got major nominations or multiple noms were, I think you could, I think everybody who's into the Oscar race knew they, they were going to get those. And I think uh, there was a lot of kind of consensus uh, nominations as well, where maybe maybe they're not the films weren't for everyone or the performances, but you can kind of see them sneaking in. So, um, best picture then, JB. They finally, for the first time in a long time, maybe ever, actually fill the ten slots. And for those who don't yeah. know, I will read them out. The, the the ten nominees for best picture. I feel like I'm in the Oscars now. Uh, were the Power of the Dog, West Side Story, Belfast, Dune, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Coda. Don't look up, drive my car, and Nightmare Alley snuck in, which we uh, obviously spoke about uh, a few weeks ago on the Bamp. So, best picture they get—they've given us ten. JB, the power of the dog was swept the board today. I think it got about ten nominations, ten or eleven noms. It was—it's the most popular nominated film, sorry, of the year. For the most part, those those films—I I see why they're in there. For me, we said off air, Nightmare Alley. I'm not entirely sure should be in as one of the 10 best films of the year. Don't look up. I love that film. That's getting a bit of uh, kind of people saying, oh, I'm not sure why that's in there. I liked it. Uh, the only one I haven't seen, uh, sorry, two, which I'm going to rectify this week is don't drive my car and licorice pizza. But those 10 then, John, are you uh, satisfied <laughs> with those? You keep adding words, man. It's drive my car. Uh, it's yeah, not I, don't drive my car. I'm looking, I'm, cause I've, I've got, <laughs> man, I'm, it's been a busy day. I'm looking at the, no, the yeah. list and, 
Don't Look Up is above Drive My Car. So yes. my skittish brain, she dies tonight and don't drive my car. But um, yeah, t- those, those 10 then. Uh, any surprises, anything in there that um, you're happy with? I got, I got distracted by the don't drive my car. What was the other <laughs> one you haven't seen? Is it still Licorice Pizza? Licorice Pizza, yeah. I haven't had to okay. see that, but I, I hope to get so, out and check I'm that out. Pretty sure this is the first time I've seen all of the movies at the the nominations. Like, I mm-hmm. usually am like you. I have two or three I haven't been able to see. I uh, only got to see Drive My Car thanks to the Critics Association of Central Florida. Uh, we we had a screener over uh, Christmas. Um, so I, I don't disagree with Nightmare Alley. At the same time, I totally see why that would get nominated because it does have the look and the cast to be the prestige film. Plus, it's Del Toro who has won um, two Oscars, right? For Pants mm-hmm. and for uh, um, uh, Shape, Shape of Water. Of water. Um, I, I'm, I'm, again, same thing. Belfast is a... Uh, I, I really like Belfast. Um, and Brana obviously brings that kind of prestige with his name, even though I don't know that he deserves it uh, in a lot of <laughs> cases. But um, <laughs> Belfast is also, there's that love of cinema built into it. You know, the kid like at the movie theaters, that scene worked for me so I could much. I can see why that's the only color. Yeah, exactly. Like, I totally get that. Um, I, I'm excited to see that Dune gets nominated. I, I, yeah. It's not surprising but we don't see a lot of genre movies getting nominations. And so that it's there and has, it's the second most nominated movie uh, behind yes, it is, yeah. Dog. Now it, one might argue that Jane Campion is a prestige filmmaker, but really the piano from 93 mm-hmm. is the last time I think she's had a best picture. Now, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, kind of a, um, a not film which was met with wide adoration in terms of like critic uh, Oscar, but and, uh, Awards buzz, yeah. I really like Power of the Dog. Um, I like the performances in it. I thought it was a really compelling film. I, I'm currently watching her all of her movies because of Blank Check. I'm, I'm literally looking at my Blu-ray copy of The Portrait of a Lady, which I just got in yesterday. I haven't watched yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Coda was my favorite movie of last year, so I was so hyped to see that it actually so, made it to this list. I would love for that to win. It's easily the smallest movie on this list, as, as far as both, I think, in terms of, like, I assume budget, but also like story. I think the second on this list, maybe King Richard would be like the second licorice pizza also and distribution. Yes. But that's because of Apple TV. Um, It's worthy of note that Netflix has two original movies on this list, you know, power of the dog and don't look up both Netflix originals. Good show. Um, And then code is Apple TV plus. Um, And then, uh, you know, HBO max, uh, Warner brothers, I guess, Dune King Richard, um, you know, both are uh, HBO Max originals mm-hmm. per se. I mean, they were theatrical released as well, but uh, kind of small. Um, but or not small, see, but you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's great to same, see Drive My Car on there as well. A, a another quote unquote international film, sma- um, yes. breaking into the best picture because film it film is universal. The language of film is universal, so it's fantastic to see uh, Drive My Car in there and there's every chance that it could it could pull a parasite and actually take the oscar back i need to see this film every single person i know who's seen it has said it is fabulous and it is a great for long with three hours but they've said it's really 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 good and very much deserving of being in the in the uh in the race here i am i'm very bummed that a lot we haven't talked about the uh actors but i am bummed that alana uh from licorice pizza didn't get the nod um, mm-hmm. I, I, she was my best actress. Uh, I totally think she is deserving. I haven't seen, um, eyes of Tammy Faye being the Ricardos, uh, 
So I don't know for sure if Kidman and Chastain are just getting nods because they are like perennial kind of nods. Oh. Um, or I've heard if Kidman's they very deserving. good. Well, I say I've heard Kidman's very good. I can tell you that later on, but um, I haven't seen the eyes of Tammy Faye yet. But your best actress was Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I think she was the first actress who was kind of touted as being in this race way back when spencer came out yeah and uh penelope cruz for parallel mothers which i know you spoke about uh, a week or so a couple of weeks ago but i would have liked to have seen amelia jones break into this list because i think yeah. she was so so damn good in in coda i think she was you know, I, I think that was a, a feature film debut i know she's done some television i believe but uh certainly in a leading role and she was absolutely amazing to be fair that the I entirety agree. of that cast was very good but um in terms of the actor doing this, just so we can uh, compare actress and actor, the best actor, another stacked category, John, Will Smith for King Richard, Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, our, our, our choice, Andrew Garfield for yep. Tick, Tick, Boom, Denzel for The Definitely Tragedy of Macbeth, and Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. So the two lead performances in the Ricardos, being the Ricardos, have been nominated for their performances. Tick, Tick, Boom gets its only nomination which is a travesty uh, i think and uh denzel yeah. denzel's in there i haven't seen tragedy Macbeth. benedict cumberbatch was was kind of will smith was the favorite for a long time but i think benedict cumberbatch yeah. may those two may be going toe to toe now i don't know man i really hope garfield's the same kind of winner um I, I, I think Will Smith does a tremendous job, but he still feels like Will Smith um, at times. And then Benedict, I thought, was crushing it in Power of the Dog. But mm -hmm. I, I just, Andrew Garfield's performance was tremendous. And musicals, yep. man, it's a it's an extra level of, of performance that you don't have to do in those other movies that I think earns the spot. Like he, he and especially, I know it shouldn't weigh into it, but like the fact that he wasn't a trained singer prior to making this movie um, that he learned to do what he was doing for this movie, I think is all the more impressive. And well, maybe that shouldn't weigh in, but it does for me. I think it should do as well, because I mean, yeah, the whole point of acting, I, to me, if to my naive head is you become the person who you are meant to portray. And in this case, yeah. Andrew Garfield literally did everything in his power to be able to become um, Jonathan. I can't remember his name now, Jonathan, la, 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 something begins with L. It will come to me shortly, but um, I'd love to. He was our best actor of last year for Tick Tick Boom, Andrew Garfield. Mm -hmm. So for us, we'd like to see him win. Hopefully, he does because look, Andrew Garfield had a tough time at the end of the, the whole year trying to fend off the fact that he's in Spider Man. So give him his moment in the sun for something other than Spider Man. But um, best director, five names of course: Jane Campion, Power of the Dog, PTA, Licorice Pizza, Spielberg, West Side Story. Sir Kenneth Branner for Belfast and Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Uh, again, the idea, the understanding is Jane Campion is going to walk away of this one, um, which I can. I, I think the Power of the Dog was a superbly directed and crafted film. I, it wasn't my favourite film of the year, but it's a. It was powerfully done technically, and the, the performances are very good. Spielberg for West Side Story. I don't mm. know, man. Look, West Side Story. I thought was a good remake. But I don't. I wouldn't have put Spielberg in this, and I know that's heresy to some. But I wouldn't have necessarily put Spielberg um, in here. But um, um, the others, I could. Who would you sell out? Pizza. 
oh, this is this is this is the thing is this is it. I mean, I would I would have possibly put Sean Hader in for Coda, possibly for, for yeah. that because I think that's a better achievement because it's, it's an original if film I, for one. If I were dropping someone, man, I, it would be the knighted Brana. Um, I I think Belfast is really good. I just don't think it's necessarily like his direction uh, inherently, mm-hmm. and I do I think musicals get a bump. Um, uh, uh, immediately, especially so. when it feels like old Hollywood, and, and Spielberg yeah. does channel old Hollywood pretty well. Um, I think that movie is exceptionally directed. I, I actually mm-hmm. did just oh, rewatch a, it this weekend. Nothing wrong with the um, direction. Don't get me wrong. Right, but I, I also, I don't know if I saw this fact uh, on Twitter. I, I forget which magazine p- published it, but apparently Spielberg has set an interesting record. He is the first director to be nominated in six different decades. Wow. Um, Going back to Jaws, uh, Jaws in '75, and then you know throughout he's in the '80s a couple times, '90s uh, he gets you know for Schindler's yeah. obviously he gets his win, um, and then yeah. uh, Munich in the 2000s, and then he yeah. gets like two nods in the, the 20s, teens, and then now uh, for West Side Story. So I mean, um, he's not the uh, most nominations overall, but the most spanned out apparently over uh, six decades he's been nominated for best director. I read that. Cause I think Sir Kenneth Branagh has got holds the record for the most individual noms in in some way, shape, or form. So he's ah, I can't he remember what it was. Everywhere. He he he's got uh, obviously Death and a Nile, which you've seen. We're going to talk about that soon. But um, Denis Villeneuve could have been in for a shout as well. I mean, best picture yeah. after all. I wouldn't have been disappointed had Denis Villeneuve been it's in. Kind of wild for a Dune to be the second most nominations and not have a director nod. Like the movie's that there's, breathtaking there's and that brilliant well. and. Uh, it not be there like Campion is like Power of the Dog has the most noms Campion's nominated makes sense like if this movie is so great the director especially if you're practicing the auteur theory here like which I feel mm-hmm. like the Oscars kind of operate under the assumption that that's a thing um, yep. but yeah and, and again Brada is I think you could argue an auteur for sure like he definitely has a distinctive voice mm-hmm. um, Kind of, I don't know. I don't feel like that's. I'm thinking through because there's movies that I would never say is a Kenneth Branagh film. Like well, I, I, I don't call think him strictly an author, but I know. But I think he's got. There are. To be fair, though, most directors have have start a visual have a style or signature which you can pin on them. Yeah, and Branagh has that, but I don't think he. Yes, I don't think he's not like to me like um, David uh, Green Knight director whose name's gone. To me, uh, I get his uh, stylings. You know, David Lowry. David Lowry. To me, he is because I I know a Lowry film when I see it straight up. Yep. But um, yeah. I mean, Kenneth Branagh. He he again he could win, but again, some of the some of the kind of early reaction to the noms has um, Hamaguchi for Drive My Car suddenly taken a bit of a an upward turn as well. But I think this is Jane Campion's to lose. But I wouldn't have been disappointed yeah. to see Denis Villeneuve in there. I'm not disappointed to see him not in there, but you know, I think uh, for me, Doom was the best film of the year. So I think he deserved to be in there. Um, best director going down. There. Any other categories you want to th- uh, quickly mention, JB? No, not really. I, I mean, this is uh, by the time you're hearing this, listener, it's a couple days old. So m- most of these things are, are, you know, we don't need to report everything to you. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm always looking at the big, the big five, right? Like the yeah. actors, actresses, uh, and director. But then obviously, best picture being the biggest yeah. one. But um, overall, like uh, we did get a couple Marvel movies and best visual effects, including Free Guy. Yes, um, I'm hyped to see Free Guy getting a little Oscar love because I I was a big fan of that movie. Um, Cyrano uh, did get a couple of nods, which again, uh, an underseen musical I think is brilliant. I really mm-hmm. really liked it. I actually put that as my number two musical this year. 
Yep. Um, I would go Tick, Tick, Boom, Cyrano, West Side Story. Um, and then technically, I forget, there was a movie I saw today. I was looking at Letterboxd. And I, uh, Coda technically is a musical. It's just not in the traditional sense of a musical. Mm, yeah. Um, but I would, uh, I would argue that it, it's, it has like Sing Street type musical, right? Where music is at the heart of it. The songs are yeah. pushing the narrative. But, um, and then In the Heights, which I like a lot of In the Heights. There's parts Ooh. of In the Heights that I don't love. And I, like, you could argue Encanto is a musical for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I always, I, I kind of keep animated musicals as like a separate category in my brain. But um, I wish Cyrano had a little more love. Uh, I don't know that it's best picture uh, worthy or anything like that. But I do think it it deserves a few uh, nods, including the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack to that is fantastic. But um, yeah. anything you wanted to drop before we um, move on? I would have liked to have seen the opening song in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, nominated for best original songs, I think that was mm. fantastic. Uh, obviously, I think Lady Gaga should have got a nomination. I think the last duel suffered from its poor box office because that should have it should have been nominated for anything. <laughs> it wasn't nominated for nothing. Jodie Comer was superb in that. I think costume design it could have um, it could have won. Not hair and makeup because we've seen Matt Dillon's looking that Matt Damon's looking that film. Sorry, but um, yeah. So the last duel I think missed out. Uh, Adam Driver. Again, he was he was tipped to get nominated for something, nothing whatsoever. Annette didn't get anything in the uh, in the original score or the visual. I forget that that's the thing. So did I, but it wasn't. I assumed it would be in in the musical section somewhere. Ghostbusters didn't get a best visual effects nom or best picture, but you know, can't have everything. Um, but other than that, no, not really. I'm glad to see the Mitchells versus the Machines and Raya and the Last Dragon up for. Best animated feature against Encanto, Luca, and Flea, which was your top animated film of last year, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, it was, and yeah, uh, it got nominated both for animated and direct uh, do- uh, documentary. Excuse me, uh, which it I I had it for both as well. Um, although I for uh, sorry for documentary, I gave it to Sparks Brothers, but like I had it on my top five list for documentaries. Um, sorry. Yeah, but no. Other than that, my friend, that I'm, yeah, pretty pretty happy with the list overall. So uh, that that's the Oscars, but you know we're not we're here for the other awards, aren't we, dude? So my headline is not about the awards; it's about <laughs> time to retire them. Um, you may not know this, listeners, but Matt and I do another podcast uh, from time to time called Movie Astrology. And in that podcast, if if the Razzies exist, we do list the Razzie <laughs> nominations and winners, and or I guess you could say losers. Um, for that year and um, slash film has this really good article. Uh, it's, it's time to retire the Razzies forever by Daniel, uh, Danielle Ryan. And the, the article points out that when the Razzies first came into existence, it was a way of kind of taking the, the industry down a peg, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, the Oscars celebrate all of the stuff and the, the Razzies were like, kind of point out and make fun of just poking uh, fun in a nice yeah. way. But nice it has way, but... since become extremely cruel, more so mm-hmm. than fun, and that's Very not cynical. even a new thing. There's, we've we've talked about some awards where it just seems mean, um, and then in today's world with Twitter and the the toxic fandoms that exist, it almost seems like pointless to have the Razzies, like because that lampooning of the movies that deserve to be lampooned, which is debatable, of course, if that's even a, a thing. That happens instantaneously now. And so the <laughs> yeah, Razzies just feel sadly. real, really, really unnecessary and even more cruel because like people who do movies have to hear 
you know, and we're obviously part of it. We try not to be cruel with our reviews, even when we don't like something. Um, <laughs> but and not to say we have never been, but the Razzies just have this pall about them. And it's, t- I, I think slash film article is correct. I think it might be time for the Razzies to just go away. There's enough, you know, negativity and, uh, and commentary about movies without needing an awards, quote unquote awards um, to, point out the bad ones or the flaws. And again, some of them are just cruel and un, like unnecessary and even hurtful. Um, and like the, the epitome of this, I think where it probably jumped the shark, so to speak, was the year Sandra Bullock won the oh, best right. actress Oscar for mm-hmm. the blind side while simultaneously winning the best or the worst actress award for uh, all about Steve which that's many years ago now. It's over a decade ago that mm-hmm. that happened. But I think that might've been the time. It's like, okay, Razzies, if you're going to nominate an actress for a bad movie that she did. And I actually thought all about Steve was kind of funny, not good. And it, it was her and Bradley Cooper, like super young Bradley Cooper. Damn. But, but I don't know that she deserved worse actress. And especially again, how can she be the worst actress and the best actress in the same year? Um, in some ways it's, it is kind of like the funny commentary or at least that idea of subjectivity that we talk about when we watch movies, but Razzies, maybe it's time you, you gave yourself the worst awards award, or maybe give it to the golden globes first. Let the, let's get them out of here. <laughs> yeah. Razzies, but, um, you know, it, it might be time to just phase it out. I, I, if the link to the articles here, I'm not going to you know go over any other details, but what do you think, Matt? Should it go away? Um, yeah, I think so. I think when when we've covered it on astrology, the Razzie started. I think late eighties. I think and in the kind of yeah. they had its heyday in the sort of early nineties, early to kind of mid nineties, and it had a little resurgence when I think it was Halle Berry went to collect her Razzie and you know had a bit of fun with it. You know, that's that's fine, and you know, we've covered it. And some of the old categories were were quite fun. You know, it was just clearly just having a bit of fun and they're not trying to be taken too seriously and i do think in recent years they are becoming more and more cynical more and more uh cruel as you say i mean recently i mean today's news or yesterday's i'm not gonna lie it did give me a bit of a bit of a giggle when you know, bruce willis now just has his own razzies category this year you know worst bruce willis film of the year yeah. because he has dropped about 15 straight to dvd purposely straight to dvd films okay that's fun that feels like something that would have happened way back in the early 90s they used to do that for stallone or van damme but um yeah i think uh, i think it's a different environment now and look we we've when we do our bampies which are the most prestigious awards we even we kind of worded differently we don't have worst film which you know maybe maybe it's most disappointing so that we know film which we had high hopes for but didn't quite match that uh, we have the the least feel good, which isn't a bad film, but which film did we come out feeling a bit? Oh man, that made me feel that put me on a downer for whatever reason. Or you know, I think that's the way. We're not saying that we are the be all and end all, but you know, I think there are different ways around it now. And you know, celebrating negativity, if, you know, if done in the right way with a bit of tongue in cheek, with everyone's buying, can be fun. But like you say, I think we just live in a different time now, where social on social media, everything's either a, everything's either brilliant or it's the worst thing ever and i think if we're having an award now that are celebrating almost validating those awful takes on social media then it's time to 86m straight away because you know like you say sadly we live in a world where everyone's a critic and everyone gives out their awards daily on social media so um i think they've had their time in the sun yes they were never taken seriously but you know i, I think they've kind of morphed and evolved into 
kind of the very thing that they were poking fun at in the first place. So I think yeah, I think you're right. It's time to uh, it's time to retire the Razzies. I and I don't want to take credit for that. That was not my initial idea. I just I totally back their idea, right? Like it's someone I'm like yes, I'm giving indeed, you the credit. I think, um, I think is worth uh, letting it go. Um, that's the headlines for this week. The Oscars and the Razzies go, go hand in hand, and it might be time that we let the Razzies fall off the cliff. Um, yep. In the meantime, let's talk about what we've been consuming. This is media consumption, movie, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. Um, that we have been consuming since the last time we recorded. Matt, you're going to start us off. What have you been consuming since our last episode? I've been consuming a few films. One uh, film which is an Oscar-nominated film for Best Adapted Screenplay for Logan. Uh, old Man Logan, I've been watching. I watched that. I just fancied. I, I found I was in a, a sort of fantastical mood, but I didn't fancy watching one of the MCU films. I didn't want to watch a particularly colourful or bombastic, over-the-top comic book film. And literally, Logan is the perfect antithesis of that. It's it is uh, you know we all know the tropes of Logan. It's the it's the Western vibes that come through, and I really felt like watching that. Uh, also, the fact that Logan is a fabulous film anyway. Logan is a great, great film, regardless of the genre. So I fancied watching. I haven't watched it for well since the year it came out, and I enjoyed it just as much now as I did then. So um, I've got my superhero um, kick, and I felt cultured at the same time. Uh, then Ooh. I watched. I was also watched two newer films, which we've spoken about ad nauseum in this episode already. I finally watched Sir Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, and thought it was good and technically i thought it was excellent i thought the and some of the performances were very good but the film if the film was what i thought it was it did feel like a personal film for branner but as i say and on that level i felt slightly disconnected from it because it didn't fully resonate with me and mm. when i go into a film it's you know i i appreciate that it may work on a certain level for many people but i you have to i have to do it you know how i feel and i I love the sentiment of the film i think it's a very very uh well executed film and the is is powerful at times but um it didn't grab me it didn't hook me and it didn't you know it didn't didn't engage me 100 percent, maybe 95 percent but so but i can see exactly i can see why it's in the running for some of these top line above the line oscars and i think it's a really really good looking film i do believe it got a cinematography nod um this year and if it didn't then it, it really should have done uh no it didn't but i think it should have done because i think this film has a certain charm to it it is that very independent very raw again that's that word again but raw visceral look to it which i think could have scored it a nomination but it, there's only five films and it wasn't one of them in the cinematography um now talking about uh, Javier Bardem, Nicole Kidman. I watched Being the Ricardos, the Sorkin film, and again, I thought this film was was good. It was. I didn't think it was anything superb. Hey, look, well written. Spoiler. I think it's well written. I think again, the film looks decent. Nicole Kidman, I think, is superb. I think, I, I think she's great in this. It's Nicole Kidman is another actress I find who at times can fly under the radar for all of her. For all of the the good performances he's done and the uh, and the accolades come away, uh, sometimes I don't feel she's spoken about enough for her talent. And I think she's very very good in being a Ricardo. It's one of the best I've seen her in, certainly in recent years. But it's one of the best Nicole Kim performances I've seen. Period. Um, oh wow! 
Javier Bardem, on the other hand, is Javier Bardem. He brings his A game. He's very good. Is it one of the top five performances of the year? I don't think it is. Maybe the top ten, but I don't think it's one of the top five performances of the year. So I was quite surprised when I saw him in there. Again, he's good in the film. It's Javier Bardem. You know exactly what you're going to get with him. You get a very good, very good performance. But I, I, I think I was surprised to see him ahead of somebody maybe like uh, Peter Dinklage who'd got a lot of um, yes. buzz. Leo DiCaprio, I could have seen him sneaking in. This is whether or not I would have agreed with that. But I, you know, I'm surprised Leonardo DiCaprio didn't get the nod. But Harvey Bardem is fine. But the film itself is, it's you know, it's, it's a good film. If I was going to give it a rating, I'd probably just give it a seven, seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, but uh, I think the performance is more than carry that film. But again, Sorkin though has the direction of it is very good. I think in terms of directing, I think Sorkin is yet to direct a bad film. I think he he's always impresses me with his leap from screenwriting to screenwriting slash direction i think he's very good um so there's three films i've watched two which i thought were good and logan which is very good and i have watched the book of boba fett chapter six which came out last week i know you watched that as well john um and now we're kind of obviously everybody knows i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil what happens but a lot of people have said now you know what's happened with boba fett in his own show chapter six doesn't really do an awful lot to dispel uh, that chatter however taken at face taken as a star wars streaming series is excellent it was an excellent episode taken as a hey look this is this is star wars tv really very good as a book of boba fett episode you know people are jumping through hoops and desperately trying to convince themselves that no no this is this this really is all part of the narrative it's, it's building towards something it's an interlude as a chapter I'm, I'm not i'm not entirely sure i think i've said before i think favreau and bobby rodriguez robert rodriguez i think they lent too heavily on the legend of boba fett and thought they could get away with certain narrative decisions because you know everyone loves boba fett he's cool you know people don't mind but, you know we can do anything with the character and people will love it including not really having him in the show and sure. i think that was a massive massive issue and i think it does so prove to me and I know you know me I'm a huge Star Wars fan it does make me worried about the direction that they are going with the story or you know, whether they had a story in the first place I could fill this runtime it's seven episodes I don't know if the story was there to yeah for that I mean I well there is a story there but I think they're focusing on the wrong things and setting up things which maybe they didn't need to have give so much attention to especially because i'm more I, I am more compelled by the story of boba and fennec shand on tatooine i'm into that you know i want to see what's happening there as much as i've loved all the other cameos and one in particular man what the one at the end of this chapter oh man i was i've got no shame i was off my chair fist bumping yes um but i, I would like to see the final chapter which is yesterday upon listening to this I certainly hope that we get more Boba and more of a reason for this show existing, despite the fact that I'm enjoying it. I want to know what the purpose of it is now. But um, you've been not as high on this show, but like that. Yep. What did you think of episode six, you know, in I all mean, of its glory? It, it, it continues to emphasize what my biggest complaints have been with the Star Wars TV stuff. Um, there's a reliance on the, on the central story that they're unwilling to expand outward. And I wish they would acknowledge that people like the world um but i i did enjoy the episode i mean i'm a i'm a shill for certain parts of it and they hit those parts real hard um so yeah i liked i liked a lot of it 
still have, you know, I'm aware of the manipulation and that like there are certain marketing parts of Star Wars that just work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wearing a lot of it at all times. So, um, I can't say I didn't enjoy it, but I I do have, I'm very, like, I can't imagine what episode seven is going to do to like tie up so many loose ends and it'd be satisfying. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I hope it's good. Yeah, I, I think as a Star Wars fan, I think I'm going to have an absolute blast with this final episode. But I think in the sobering hours or days after the, the episode is released, then we'll see. We had to measure the success. We've all been. I've been. We've been saying on the sessions for the last two or three weeks now. You know, this is this is a seven seven chapter book. Let's wait until we f- the, the seven chapters are up before we look at the decisions. Hey, look, they may answer all the questions in chapter seven, which have been plaguing this show and including the use of Boba himself. Then we may get a brilliant answer in this chapter, which puts puts pay to all of those, puts them all to bed. We might not do though. So I've kind of got that on my mind as well. I'm expecting an action packed adventure ride. What I want is that and some answers and some purpose for this show, my friend. So, um hopefully next week uh i will be able to report on all of that but that's yep. what i've been checking out this week my friend what about what about you well i'll stay with tv so i also watch book of Fett, obviously but um if you had told me a few months ago that my favorite show of this time of the year wasn't book of boba fett but in fact peacemaker i would have been very skeptical and um man peacemaker continues to impress me episode six is crazy uh john cena is doing stuff that i just didn't know like not only is it funny but there is heart it's it's what you expect from james gunn there's gore there's violence there's uh things that you don't really uh, anticipate um in terms of like it's very hard r for a show but there's heart and there's comedy it's just it's such a blast i'm really enjoying and uh unlike boba fett where i don't really know what the story is supposed to be just yet I, I have a very kind of clear sense of what's happening in Peacemaker and yet still intrigue and like uncertainty about certain elements that slowly are being unfolded. And I'm, I'm excited to see wh- uh, how it ends. I think there's eight episodes of Peacemaker, um, if I remember correctly. So I still got two left of that one, but i um, very much enjoying that. Uh, I did listen to the newest episode of Blank Check, even though I've not seen Portrait of a Lady um, mm-hmm. from Jane Campion. I did listen to the episode. Solid episode continues to, to go. I'm a little less excited about watching the movie after hearing the episode because apparently it's not Campion's best, but uh, I am going to give it a watch at some point. Um, I realized uh, we're my first year students are watching Jaws, and so I've been doing Spielberg conversations, um, and uh, I have I have very few Spielberg films I have not seen, so I'm making it a priority to complete his filmography over the next couple of weeks. So with that, I dove into a Blu-ray box that I bought last year, I think. Um, I, I watched Duel, his first film, which technically is a TV film, but I really liked Duel. I didn't know what it was until I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is uh, interesting for sure. Um, then I caught Sugarland Express, the second film, first official theatrical release. Liked that quite a bit. Um, very uh, different Goldie Hawn performance than I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, then I watched 1941. I don't like 1941, Matt. <laughs> I wasn't really into it. Um, you I, I don't. I don't think I like Belushi that much. Like, I haven't seen some of his comedy legends. I know. I know this, and uh, <laughs> maybe his comedy just his style just doesn't like. It just it feels like a performance. Like it doesn't feel like I'm watching an actor act. I just feel like I'm watching a dude try and be funny. And I don't always like when I see someone 
trying to be funny. Like, <laughs> you do, you're just watching John Belushi in a different role, you know, in a different film yeah. or, yeah, now, I haven't seen Animal House. Um, it's a, it's a film that I've always kind of just like, yeah, whatever. I get it. I get the idea. I don't need to sit through it. You know, I've never, so I've never gone to it. And I, I don't think I've ever seen his Blues Brothers. I think I saw the remake, the Blues Brothers 2000. Um, but I don't think I ever saw the original Blues Brothers. So I need to watch that um, before I have any real decision. But, you know, this is, it's Zemeckis um, and Gale writing. And th- there's good stuff in it. You see some definite, like this to me feels like Spielberg's attempt at um, um, uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove. Sorry, my brain was just done. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the same satire. It's just not as well done as what Dr. Strangelove does. Um there's definitely some very clear references. And of course, obviously Spielberg would be inspired by Kubrick. That's not, he does AI later in his career, but um, it's not, it's not like a bad movie. I just was not engrossed in it at all. But then I did see West Side Story a second time. um, And I I actually really liked seeing it a second time. Um, It was fun because it was a a student and also a friend's son. It's the same person, but um, it was his birthday and they rented out an auditorium. Nice. So it was just uh, six of us uh, in the theater um, celebrating his birthday, watching this, uh, you know, epic musical. Um, so there was some some shenanigans afoot. Like at one point during the uh, the Cool Boy song, I, I I don't remember what the actual name of the song is, but you know the it's an iconic song. Um, he got up and t posed in front of the screen, which seemed like an appropriate time to uh, to do that. You know, <laughs> the song about being cool. Um, uh, then. Uh, I, I mentioned Death of the Nile. I'm not going to talk about that at all because we're going to be reviewing Death on the Nile next week. Um, but immediately after Death on the Nile, uh, my friend, the uh, uh, editor at Burke Reviews, we we went and saw Jackass Forever. Um, Matt, I don't know if you if you were ever a big fan of the Jackass movies at all, but uh, um, I used to do. I did the Gallon Challenge once. We went and bought a lot of milk from the local store mm-hmm. and tried that, and it ended up very much like I did on the jackass show uh, yeah i didn't i've i used to like jackass back at jackass sorry back in the d- jackass jackass back in the day um fell off the wagon a, like, like the cast did but uh, and just so i wasn't so, excited by jackass but i'm hearing good things dude so uh, 2000 i'm in college uh, a friend of mine buys a camcorder right around the time jackass comes out and um i was enjoying uh those shows and like we did some stupid stuff nothing nearly as dangerous as they did but we did some stupid stuff uh despite yeah. the warnings not to do those things yeah, yeah. um i and um you know i really liked the first movie i you know and i liked um sorry my i'm trying to respond to my wife on a text and i can't do both apparently so you can do it you can do it sorry um jackass forever is a return for me too. Cause I, I didn't see 3d Two kind of gross me out too far. Like that's, I think <laughs> when they went, the problem with the movies is it allowed them to go nasty. Yeah. Right? Like because MTV, you couldn't show certain things and Jackass two really didn't work for me. I didn't bother with 3d. I didn't see any of the bad grandpas cause they just looked redundant. Um, is it dirty grandpa, bad grandpa, whichever one is the Knoxville stuff. Is it um, dirty grandpa? I think dirty grandpa's the Nero. Um, but this one's great. Um, it's very, very funny. But aside from that, there's there's heart. Like you can feel their excitement to be back together. It's even more tragic if you know about like the Bam Majera stuff and like that whole debacle of him not being included in this film and his life and how it's kind of spiraled out of control. Um, 
but the guys that are there and there's five new cast members um nice. that they uh we went on the th- the reason why we did this double feature thing was that the Thursday night premiere there was going to be extra footage what we didn't know was the extra footage was an interview and it was going to be before the movie and the interview spoils several of the bits in the movie and I was kind of <laughs> like this is a terrible place to put this cuz like now I'm I'm anticipating things like you're talking about, like there's like, what was your favorite part? And then they show like this, the end of a prank. I'm like, the, I haven't seen it yet. You've taken away the, the joy of the prank, but it's still funny. Um, there are some really funny like ideas in this one. Uh, there is a lot of penis in this. <laughs> uh, so fair warning listeners. Um, if you're averse to that uh, penis and ball sack, if you, if you don't want to see men, male genitalia, you're going to want to avoid this movie. Cause there's a lot of it. You didn't expect um, to hear that phrase on this week's BAMP, but there we go. Right. And again, I, uh, me back in 2000, if that, if this movie had been made then, I, I would have been a 20-year-old panicking, like, oh, no, I can't look at that. Where do I look? At, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a, as a 40-year-old, I'm just like, yeah, that's funny. I don't I have no issue with this whatsoever. <laughs> it is, it's crazy, and it's hilarious. Um, I, I am, I'm in pain. Like, there's a lot of empathy on my end. Um, but, yeah, and then... Uh, so I do recommend Jack and Forever, especially if you were a fan. I think this one re- is a good return. The cameos that are in it are funny. Some of the pranks are very funny. It was filmed during the pandemic. Uh, so you can also tell that, like, they're just excited to be with each other, you know? Like, like oh, there's people. Um, so uh, it's worth checking out. And then lastly, um, lastly, uh, because Movie Club, we're doing sad sacks. Those, those love stories that are yeah. essentially sad. Um, I watched Brooklyn because that's what we're covering this week. I had seen it once before uh, after it was nominated for an Oscar a few years back. Um, I I liked it then, um, but I my memory of it wasn't really super strong. I, I It's such a charming movie. Um, it's sweet. Uh, Saoirse Ronan's fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of the most like subdued Domino Gleeson performances too. Like It's very kind of refreshing because he's done so many big things since then um, to see him like, oh yeah, he can be chill. Like He doesn't have to be like yelling at, at you know, Kylo Ren, like it's good. Um, really enjoyed rewatching Brooklyn. So that's what I've been watching. Usual smorgasbord of choice there, my friend. I am going to watch Jackass at some point. It, it, it was a film which I really wish had come to streaming because I, I, I really want to take myself to the theater to watch it. But at the same time, I don't cause it almost feels like a waste of a film trip for me, but I will go and check it out at some point, especially now I've heard that JB is a fan. Yeah, uh, David and I both, we, we very much enjoyed it. Uh, had a good time with it. But um, okay. that's it for what we've been consuming. Before we wrap up the show, though, we got to check in on each other and make sure we're keeping our awesome levels at the bloody height that they need to be for this podcast to function. So, Matt, how have you been staying bloody awesome since we last recorded? Um, I have gone with the uh, phrase simply getting in the green, my friend, and uh, it's it's about being an adult, my friend. It, it was basically sorted. Obviously, you know, I'm sorting stuff out my end, and what and part of it is the financial side of life. Being an adult is expensive. You know, you've got things to pay for, and sometimes you fall back on those. And now I'm getting myself back in the green. I've basically having the leanest month I've had in about nine, ten, twelve years. Because I've just basically spent everything to get myself back up to a level where the um, the financiers out there will say, "Yep, we like this guy. He's a uh, he can handle his cash." So um, small thing to many people, but uh, it, it, it's one of those things like a weight off your shoulders. So you know, so for some people, it's kicking a vice. For some people, it's making sure your head's above water financially. And that's what I've been doing 
this week since pay because it was payday last week so i've uh basically been spending it doing the adult thing which is uh sorting out the finances jb um even though i'm look I, i'm the most adult guy in the world i'm i'm extremely mature everyone who knows me knows that ah. but um yeah, sometimes <laughs> you've got to take 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 stock and think right what changes can i make to you know ensure that i uh, if anything happens again like pandemic wise or job wise or whatever then that you're financially sound and you're not going to be scrabbling about so mine isn't the most fun in, in the world but it's certainly one of the most important my friends though i i don't know yours but i do believe yours would probably be a bit more exciting than mine uh not much um i have uh one of my graduates um it's uh he's now man he's been graduated for a while because he turned 26 yesterday Mm -hmm. um and we had him and his uh two siblings that i taught all three of them all of them have graduated um and i'm close with all three of them they they came for christmas as well but uh he he came over they came over and i i grilled burgers i made like way too many burgers like i haven't had like a cookout in a long time but i I made a bunch of burgers and then like a lot of baked beans we had potato chips the whole thing um celebrated his birthday uh and just hung out for a couple hours last night. Um, this is now obviously we were recording a few days ago, but um, he also uh, almost as if it were my birthday. He had uh, made this uh, bit. He got this big like gumbo cooker. I don't know what to call it. It's like this big uh, propane infused like saute pan, almost like a big wok. Mm-hmm. I guess primarily for gumbo. You can do other stuff with it, but it, like, and he had made gumbo for the first time on Sunday. So he brought me a lot of gumbo and I had that for lunch today and it was amazing. Um, nice. very, very good. Uh, a little salty, but I, I think that's kind of part of the, the whole process. Um, but, uh, you know, and Dewey sausage and chicken and shrimp, all of that in the gumbo, um, found it quite tasty. I mean, it was just good, uh, hanging out, you know, um, I don't get to see them often. A lot of times we only really see all three of them at Christmas. So it was cool getting to see them just a month, just over a month uh, later again um, for a different type of celebration. But, it, you know, 26, uh, not a particularly like special year, but it's, it is like mind boggling that he's 26 since, you know, mm-hmm. I've known him since he was 14. Um, so, you know, 12 years have gone by since I first met this kid, uh, which didn't register till just now, like how long, how long I've known him. But um, you're still a young man as well, my uh, friend. Yeah, sure. That's what we want to say. We can continue to floor. So but that's how we've been saying bloody awesome folks. That's it for this episode. Um, our review there of Moonfall, a movie that is watchable. Uh, next week, the question is, will we think Death on the Nile, the new Kenneth Branagh directed and star vehicle, yep. some might even say vanity project, um, <laughs> is uh, going to be the focus of our review. I've already seen it. I'm excited yep. to hear what Matt thinks about it. Um, it's out everywhere in theaters this weekend. It is only in theaters. Uh, it is a now Disney owned movie, um, which is odd, but uh, it, there it is. It's, it's technically a, a Fox or a 20th century, whatever now, whatever they're calling that branch of the Disney owned company. Um, but it's coming out everywhere. It's the sequel, in case you didn't know this, listeners, to Murder on the Orient Express from a couple years ago. You don't really need to have seen that to watch this movie. You just need at least a sense of who the character is because it is following one character. Um, we're going to be back next week to talk about Death on the Nile. Of course, before that, you will have gotten the spoiler episode of uh, our review of Moonfall. Um, but in the meantime, follow us on social media. Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast is on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and Twitter. At BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. 
And then uh, you, we're still on Facebook. You can just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Mm-hmm. Individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk and just search what I watch Tonight across all the socials and Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast host or catcher or service you use to listen, especially if you are listening to us on Spotify, as they've just recently added the uh, rating feature. We really want to get our ratings up on Spotify. So take whatever you can, whatever you're willing to give us to help us out. uh, If you like what we're doing, then we'd love the feedback. Um, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay Bloody awesome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 bl